Hey guys, Jamie here. So we're right in the midst of summer, and if you're anything like us, that means you're on the move. Christine is out paddleboarding every day, Heidi is being the yoga goddess that she is, Megan's running miles around New Jersey, and I just spent two weeks moving and building furniture here in my new home in Pennsylvania. So suffice it to say, we're sore. For aches and pains, Team Off the Gram uses Arnicare, which is a natural, over-the-counter, topical pain relief gel made from mountain daisies. The gel not only relieves muscle pain and stiffness, but it also relieves swelling from injuries and discoloration from bruises. So whether you're working out, doing home improvement projects or yard work, or even just sitting too long at a computer, Arnicare gel is essential for self-care. Visit arnicare.com and use the code off the gram at checkout for 20% off through August 31st. Just mindsets need to be adjusted. It's not racist to put a skinny black girl somewhere because we exist. All shapes and all shades exist. So why do we always default to one shape for one color and a different shape for a different color? That's a huge problem. Welcome back to Off the Ground, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hi, guys. Hey, gals. Cool. Well, this is Jamie. So I am excited to introduce our guest today. We are joined by the fabulous Nicole Young. Nicole is a bona fide lifestyle expert with a uniquely creative flair, and her expertise stems from her vast experience throughout the worlds of fashion, beauty, food, and fitness. Nicole is also the creator of the incredible lifestyle site, thebeautifulbody.com. In the midst of BLM and a country calling for change amidst racism, Nicole recently landed in the news when she recounted a shocking incident that occurred back in 2004 when she was verbally accosted in a racist rant on the Upper East Side of Manhattan by Princess Michael of Kent. Nicole bravely resurfaced the story as an example of those types of situations previously overlooked, these moments of blatant racism that still occur daily in our country, and we're so glad she did. We have her here today to talk about wellness, race, and more. And we're so glad she's here and that nothing is off limits because that's how we hold space for conversations that truly move us forward as a society. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It's great to be with you all. Glad you're here. So we always, before we dive into your topic, I know we always catch up with a weekly kind of catch up topic. And Heidi, I thought, I think you had a good one for us, right? Yeah. So considering your expertise, we wanted to get your feelings on collagen. So right off the bat, I'm vegan. So Mm. I don't use anything with collagen. So I also want to know if you feel after you say all the amazing benefits of collagen, I want to know how you feel about like the vegan collagen stimulators, please. Here are my feelings on collagen. Well, firstly, I also do not take collagen. I am not a vegan. Um, I do try to stay somewhat plant-laced, I consider my diet. I do meat, but I, you know, I try to keep the meat to a minimum, heavier on the fish, and then load up on the veggies. But about the collagen, I actually was advised by a nutritionist a while back that collagen Though, obviously, we, we've heard ad nauseum about the benefits, there are also some side effects that may or may not agree with certain people, vegan or not. For example, it can be somewhat um, binding, if you will, to the stomach. So it can cause some issues with uh, digestion, with bowel movement. So I, 
unless you unless you know for a fact that you're not going to have these issues with taking it, I personally don't take it because, like I said, I was advised not to. But I think that what I've heard about the vegan collagen stuff, you know, I this is my feeling. I feel like if there's something that you want to try and it's not necessarily for you because you're vegan, I don't know that I always sort of then default to the vegan substitute because I often get concerned about, well, what have they taken out and what has that been replaced with? Because people often feel like, oh, no, no, this is the vegan version. But it's like, but what's in the vegan version? What did they take away? Sometimes things that have been removed are what make whatever it is you're talking about beneficial to you. And I think that could potentially be the same with collagen. So I would... I would speak to a medical expert before I started sort of any of these uh, dietary supplements, but I know collagen in particular can be a bit tricky with the digestion. So then if you already eliminate meat and animal proteins from your diet, you might want to be cautious about what's in the substitute and if that would be an issue for you. What do you think about, um, forget like supplements, but like now I'm seeing it the other day I was eating popcorn and it said it had collagen infused popcorn. And, and I'm wondering like, A, is that even anything or are they just like jumping on the bandwagon and have, have you done like that probably isn't as binding or anything, you know, like we're talking about the supplements or the powders, but I mean, I guess I wonder if there's weird side effects or if that's just like, everybody's trying to be pro collagen. (laughs) I think I think when something gets buzzy yeah. in nutrition or in wellness, everybody jumps to either say they're doing it or we don't do that either. Like it's funny you mentioned popcorn. I always laugh when I see gluten free popcorn. It's like, well, there's no gluten in corn, so <laughs> popcorn. You don't have to call that out. But I think when something becomes sort of trendy or buzzy or of the moment, there's a rush to sort of like include that or or remove it if that's the case from everything so i don't know what you could be benefiting and again with everything whether it's a supplement that you're taking uh in a powdered form or ingesting it through a capsule or, or a tablet you have to figure out the breakdown structure right so if something's going to be most beneficial if you take it this way then by the time they sprinkle it over the popcorn are you getting it is it doing anything for you so I don't know. I think if you have an issue with collagen and it's and they're saying that the popcorn now has collagen, maybe you don't do that popcorn. But I also would say I'm not sure what you're getting out of popcorn that's laced with collagen. <laughs> I remember like protein water came out and I was like, so like I'm not really trying to get protein with my water. Like those are kind of two separate things for me. Like does everything have to be mixed with everything? It doesn't, and it shouldn't. And most of the time, it's a gimmick. That's the thing. It's like telling you they're putting this in there, but it's sort of like you have to ask yourself or a professional who might know even better, how is this going to not only react to my body, but what's the best way my body's going to absorb something? Because if you need to take a drop, like CBD is a great example of this on topic, but, you know, CBD is a great example. People are always like, oh, the CBD is in this, it's in that. Well, you know, you need to figure out how exactly is CBD best ingested for the body and for what you're trying to do with it. So maybe you need to put drops under your tongue, but then if it's in your nail polish, are you getting it? You know what I mean? It's so funny that you said that because we actually are partnered with a CBD brand this summer that does exactly that. They give you a dosage consultation Mm -hmm. and they tell you, look, 
if you have this type of a problem, you should be taking it like this. And by the way, you need to combine it with this. You know, like I learned I was taking my soft gels all wrong. She's like, you have to combine it with a healthy fat or your digestive Mm system is going to beat it up. You're not going to get the effects. And it's like a waste of taking a pill. And I was like, oh my God, my mind is blown. I never knew that. And there's, there are definitely, I mean, CBD is a great example because talk about a saturated category. And you don't know, we all had an experience with a product recently and I'm not going to like crap on them. So I'm not going to say what it is, but like, let's just say this. Okay. The the delivery method uh, was, it it didn't make any sense. Okay. They reached out to all of us and it did not make any sense because you could tell that the CBD was going to be like washed away. It just, it didn't really. Literally. Literally. And right. so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole any further, but we all know I'm like, I, I, just, I would just like to circle back to the collagen for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, as a beauty expert, <laughs> do you think it helps? Or is that like too, you know what I mean? Like, have you seen, have you seen anybody? Like, cause there's plenty of people who do anything, you know, for the name of beauty. Like they don't care about their stomach. They don't care, you know? Right. I think that collagen, I mean, it's something that occurs naturally in our bodies. So it's one of these things where, you know, a skincare expert might say, you need to, you need to boost your collagen. So we're going to topically do these three things or what have you. And so again, it's about what is the method that's being used? How is it going to be absorbed by your body? So I think when it comes to anti-aging or skincare, for example, there have been, you know, products for years that have boasted their collagen, you know, properties and, and, and benefits. So I think there are ways as far as skincare is concerned that, that, that are effective and that can help. And we want to boost collagen because collagen is elasticity. It allows the skin to sort of like bounce back. I don't know exactly a lot about if you're taking that, if you're ingesting that, how that then breaks down in your skin and where it, in, in your body, I should say, and then where it's going to go and how it's going to target what you need or want to target. So again, I think it's really about not saying, okay, I know I need collagen and I'm going to take everything with collagen that's out there on the market. I think it's about doing a little bit of recourse and research into figuring out what you're trying to accomplish and what the best way to add collagen in this case to your lifestyle is going to be before you just kind of like try stuff. Because the brands, the marketers, they're going to say all the right things. They're going to give you catchphrases to death to make it seem like, oh, I need that. But do you need it? Is it going to work? We kind of have to, sadly, we have to figure this out for ourselves or ask an unbiased, you know, professional because it's not, it's not going to come down to what the label says. It's a lot of gimmicks. And I got to say this, and then we, then we'll move on to the, to the topic because I want to dive in. But like, there is a podcast that I listened to recently. I think it's called The Dream. Did anyone else listen to this? Okay. Mm-hmm. So her, her first season was about like MLMs and it was fascinating because I'm always fascinated by that. And she kind of like, deconstructed the whole like pyramid scheme thing and talked about that. I was like, Oh, I'm so oh it's so bingeable. Yeah. But then the second season was about the fallacy of the wellness industry and how much of it is mm. garbage. Right. And this is part of what we're here to do. We're here to talk about what's good, what's bad and what's bogus. Mm. And she was talking about how supplements uh, are completely unregulated by the FDA. And there was like a whole uh, push to deregulate them in the eighties uh, and essentially you really don't know what you're taking. So I guess my point in all of this is 
And I'm not anti-collagen, by the way, because I'm. Just, but I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of supplements, know what you're taking, and it's harder to know what you're taking than you even think it is, because what's on the labels might be not true. Mm-hmm. There's really no kind of regulation as to where some of these things come from. They could be sourced from factories that don't have the same standards of cleanliness or efficacy as you know we think they do. And there's a lot of garbage out there. So just know, just don't get like totally seduced by gimmicks, people, because you really don't need to be piling a whole bunch of extra things into your body uh, because you could be doing more harm than good. And also, I um, that you guys know I love Body by Hannah. She's, you know, super clean and healthy. And she is, when I go on her retreats, she is all about like just eat healthy and eat and give your body the food it needs and give it the, the you know, the the sources it needs that way instead of just supplements because you can get everything you need if you do it the right way, healthy, you can eat clean, you can eat meat, you could eat whatever, you know, just, just be mindful of it. And, um, it's a great resource. You know, that's how people got all their vitamins and minerals to start with, you know, back in the day, no one took supplements <laughs> before they started <laughs> watching that and selling them. Right. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. okay. On that note, let's move on. I want to dive in. I'm dying okay. to hear from Nicole. Nicole Young's job as a lifestyle expert has her trotting around from one media appearance to another, delivering tips and tricks on how to live your best life. As a former dancer and group fitness instructor, she strongly believes that a healthy body is your best asset. And as such, she loves sharing her tips, tricks, and recipes for making clean eating and drinking fun. But oftentimes she found that she would be overlooked for healthy cooking segments or bypassed by brands for clean eating campaigns. And she had to ask herself why. The result? Nicole uncovered a bias against women of color as it pertains to wellness and has made it a personal crusade to change that narrative. Let's dive in, girls. Yes. So, Nicole, we have talked about this woman. I really... I loved our first conversation about this topic and I love the way that you describe it. And you and I had a really spirited conversation because I think I was a publicist for 20 years. Uh, I've mentioned that before. And some of my clients were really big brands and some of them were fast food brands and some of them were kind of convenient, uh, like CPG brands, consumer packaged goods, um, brands that maybe spoke to more of a mass audience. So they weren't so niche in the healthy market. And maybe their consumers were primarily, you know, um, more of like a mass appeal, not kind of what people think of as like wellness. Like, you know, people kind of tend to look at like wellness is like rich white girls from LA that carry poodles around and that's who can afford it. And, and then there's like the rest of America, how we eat, right? And there tends to be this divide. And so what I had mentioned to you was I had, I had been told historically by the brands that I work with that had spent a lot of money on like research and development that their consumers didn't want healthy food and they didn't want to be marketed healthy food. And that's not what they were going to spend their money on. Every time they would introduce a quote unquote healthy product, uh, it would tank. Mm-hmm. So they were putting their money behind health products. They were putting money behind high fat, you know, bad for you, salty, yummy stuff. And you were saying, well, yeah, you know, like that's, you know, but, but if no one changes it, then no one changes it. So I think that was your point, right? So how can we change it? To go back a little bit to what we discussed and what I said, when you said, you know, the brands basically would come back with, well, when we try this, a certain audience, the black audience, the inner city audience, they don't respond. They don't buy it. They don't want it. They don't care about it. And I said to you, 
do they glamorize it? Because at the end of the day, when you look at the way, and it's so funny, the reference to how people sort of view wellness as like, you know, these these wealthy white girls with the lap dogs and, and handbags. But that's kind of the image of wellness that's been sold by the powers that sell things by mainstream, by, you know, if you take the way a campaign for fast food, for example, is glamorized, right, to a certain audience versus the way if they do on the rare occasion come out with something that they consider, quote unquote, healthy, every, you know, in, in marketing, this is like you know, industry stuff that the average person doesn't know. But in marketing, there are tons of people who sit down and decide who are we targeting with this? Who are we targeting with that? And then dollars get allotted towards, okay, so if this is who we want to target, let's say, for example, the rich white women with their lap dogs, we want to target them. We are going to put this much money behind this advertising campaign. We're going to hire this supermodel or this actress or this whomever to plug this and, you know, to bring that launch all the way forward so that all the girls who live that life are being spoken to. The same thing happens though on the other side, but they don't cross over. So there's no, there's no, okay, we're going to put out a lean burger and we're going to make sure that we are doing equal glamorizing. I use that word because let's face it, what looks sexy and glamorous to us is what we want, whether it's collagen like we started off talking about or whether it's a burger. So we're going to spend the money glamorizing it over here. But on the other side, we're going to glamorize the 99 cent, you know, chicken bites. So it's not what's happening behind the scenes is there is a default where if something's healthy, we're going after this group with, with, with the messaging, with the branding, with the money being spent towards that. And what's not healthy, we're going to do the same push, but we're going to make sure we grab that other audience. And so I myself have done research lately, just kind of going backwards, you keep hearing this term systemic racism. What does that mean? If you peel back the onion, so to speak, and you start looking at, well, how does this start? It is very, very deliberate. And it might not be deliberate by the people who are doing it right now. You know, I don't believe that people who market for fast food companies are all sitting there right now saying, let's make sure we only target the black people with the unhealthy stuff. But they're just following along what was already set in stone for them and predetermined many, many, many generations ago. And those are the things that that's where I said somebody at some point, when do we stop this cycle? You know, if you go into I shop at Whole Foods Market in my neighborhood before COVID, of course, every Wednesday and Friday, they had the demos, the samples, everybody from the from the brands come and showcase their stuff. So I cannot tell you how many things I've discovered that I would have been like, ew, what is that? If they didn't come and set it up nicely, you smell it when you're walking down the aisle. If it's a, if it's a low sodium uh, vegetable stock, they're making something with that and letting you sample it and telling you, no, 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 we made this with that stock. So I'm like, oh, really? Okay, let me try that. You go to the inner city, you go to the hood, okay, to the grocery store, they are not doing those demos. They are demonstrating sausage, fried sausage. They are demonstrating uh, frozen, full of chemical meals. Like it's, it, There's a very clear divide between who's being marketed what. And that ties into why are people of color not able to eat healthier. The food is not being glamorized for them. The message is not being made clear. 
then it's also not accessible because if you walk down the street in a poor neighborhood, you see 15 fast food restaurants. So where are they going to go? They're going to hop in the car and start looking for Trader Joe's. Like it's not, you shop where you live and you eat what's in your orbit, especially if you can't afford to go outside of your orbit. I'll go wherever, wherever they say there's a good meal. I just read about this plant-based spot all the way down lower Soho, like almost Tribeca. It's a hundred degrees out. My husband's like, oh, you going there today? Yes. I want to go check it out. I want to see what it is, but I can do that. But if you can't do that, you have to eat what's, what's there. So it's, it is a systemic thing. It is a, it is something that goes much further back than, than, than our generation. You know what I mean? But it does need to stop somewhere or else we are always going to have situations where COVID-19 happens. And then they go, Oh, well, you know, the black people got it worse because they eat unhealthy. They have diabetes. They don't take care of themselves. And it's like, well, wait a minute. So you're blaming us because we don't have for the most part, access to the healthy food, but you're also not messaging us. You're not making it seem like we need to do this, but you do do that on the other side. So that's kind of why I feel personally, like wherever I can, I'm going to try to make the difference. But in, in, in the business that we're all, that we're all in separately, it's not that easy because it goes back to, so then the brands say, Oh, well, we want to hire you to do a campaign with us or to, you know, do some broadcast segments with us as a spokesperson. Great. So I go on their site and I see what they offer. And I say, Oh, I would love to talk about the lean pork. And they come back with, Oh, we were thinking the baby back ribs. It's like, Oh, <laughs> right. You know so what, I mean? what do you say to that? Like, do you go back and then do you have that conversation or have you had, like, I'm sure you, you probably have, but are you seeing that you're pushing back more and you're, are they listening? And, and well, now I think they're listening, but before all this, this, this movement happened, did you see that there was any response? It took me a while. I'll be honest, Christine. It took me a while to a perfectly, you know, full disclosure. It took me a while to feel like I could Mm-hmm. Back because we all know how our industry is. You're lucky to be here is the way, is the sentiment, right? So, okay, I have the opportunity. They called or I reached out and they said, yes, oh, but they don't want what I want. So oof, what do I do? So at first I will admit, I would sometimes find myself either having to say, no, I'm not going to do that or biting my tongue and figuring out a way to, you know, do what they're asking me to do, but not feel like I'm completely lying to myself as I'm saying it. But as time has gone on, I've been doing this for a while. I did start pushing back more and more. And now I I came to the realization that if you're coming to me, it's because you want the black voice. You want that black representation. And I'm looking around. There's not that many other black faces here. So Let's meet in the middle, shall we? That's where I, that was my starting point. Now I'm straight up, okay, uh, what do you have? No. <laughs> Let's talk about this. And then it's like, okay, you know, if that's not what you're looking to do, that's perfectly fine, but call me when you are because I can't be a hypocrite. I can't stand there and say, I want everybody to know how delicious, delicious it is to have baby back ribs slathered in, you know, store-bought barbecue sauce. I I don't eat that. I do eat baby back ribs sometimes, but I make my own homemade glaze. So it's like, I don't want to lie to people. So I have pushed, I've started pushing back. Now I straight up push hard, but it was a, a process of getting there. I didn't always feel like I had the voice 
to speak up and say, you know, can't we do the healthy thing or, you know, and also you have to, in the beginning, it was who was coming to me because I would reach out to some brands and they would just not respond or say, thankfully we pass or, or, you know, we graciously pass. Thank you for reaching out. But no, then I turn around and see another expert on air doing exactly what I pitch them sometimes. So it's like, okay, you did like the idea. You just didn't want me to be that messenger. Got it. Well, what I loved about our conversation was that you really made me think of something different. And I was saying, you know, I've heard it in these meetings where I've been sitting with big brands and they'll say like, you know, we put a lot of money behind this product and it kind of tanked. And so like, and, and so I said to you, I was like, well, do you think that these brands then have to be willing to like lose a buck over standing strong for bettering our communities nutritionally? And you said, I don't think you should look at it as losing a buck. They have to think of it as investing a buck, you know? And I really liked that positioning. Like at the end of the day, I guess we need to like dig deep and wonder whose job is it to change the narrative? It's everyone's at some level and it's just Mm -hmm. how far you want to go in, right? That is exactly right. I also think though, some of that is to be perfectly frank, it's BS. Like there's no guarantee any campaign is going to be a success, right? When you start off, so I'm sure, and I actually know for a fact, there have been plenty of campaigns that have been, you know, faced, backed by uh, celebrities that were white, and they failed too. So if you're going to just make it about a win versus a failure, then okay. So every single time you've gone out with something and you've put out a healthy product to a white audience, it's been a success. And every time you've done it and tried to target the black audience, it's been a failure. That cannot be true. I think that's, I think that's default. That's, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, they're, they're almost trained to say that even if they actually don't have the numbers to back that up. That's, that's a mindset. I would love to see the numbers to back that up. Yeah. I think there's a really great argument here to be made. Like, how can we also, cause I think, you know, uh, just diving straight in from like people being conditioned to eat 99 cent hamburgers, you know, and then saying like, no, 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 you have to eat like artisanal salads, you know, with collagen on them, right? That's too big of a leap. And CBD dressing. Right, and CBD dressing. So we need to help people tiptoe in a little more and a little better. And I think that's what you're trying to do. You know, you've received pushback, but like, yes, you can still have the baby back ribs. Wellness doesn't have to look like you just eat a lettuce leaf for lunch and you're good. You can have baby back ribs, but you don't have to have the sugar-laden barbecue sauce that you bought off a store shelf that has all the xanthan gum and all the preservatives. Why don't you try making your own glaze? Here's how. And by the way, it doesn't have to cost you $100. I can do it to, you know, for, for $3.99 because I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people, oh, I'd love to eat healthier, but I just can't afford it. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? What are you basing that on? You're basing that on something that you've just heard somewhere, but... Have you ever really tried? Because there are ways to do it. Well, so this really reminds me of, and I'm sure I brought this up before, Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. Do you guys watch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nicole's shaking her head. I haven't in a while, but I've seen that. And do you remember when he did the one where, I forget what that show was called, where he tried to go and basically change the public school? That was the Food Revolution. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for anyone who didn't watch it, everybody claimed that it was too expensive. So I'm just talking about what you two are just talking about. Everybody in the school districts was like, no, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. And Jamie was like, give me your budget. 
I will grow food, I will source the food, and I will meet your budget, and I will make it healthy. Because they were counting the ketchup on a bun as the vegetable that the children mm. were eating in school systems. It was like, stop it. I have full body chills just telling this story. Like it's yeah. so revolting what public schools in our country say is okay. And the problem is in the lower income places, the children don't have the ability. Cause if you have two parents working and they're working hard and they don't have time to make you a lunch during school, school lunch is what they eat. It's their like hot meal of the day that they can count on. And what Jamie Oliver did was he, you know, he made it all healthy. He made it function, all the things. And, and the network actually pulled the show off air because yeah. the dairy lobbies of America, the meat lobbies of America, they had Crazy. it pulled. Oh my gosh. And, and so it's, it's such a massive giant Monmouth issue. And it's like, I'm listening to you and I'm getting so worked up and, and I'm like, but how do we change it? Like, what do we do? Like Jamie Oliver is a world famous chef and he couldn't do it. So how do we get behind getting wellness to everyone and with a focus on, you know, communities of color? that haven't had access. So how, like, how do we turn this around? How do we, like, I love Nicole that you, you are personally changing the narrative with all of your interactions. So how can, like, what's the step that like makes it just like, I'm sure one, per, one person at a time for you, like one job at a time feels like an uphill battle. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I always say is I'm like, well, I feel like I'm like just like making tiny little drops, but I understand that like all those drops in the ocean eventually make big waves. But do you feel like, I'm like, is there like a wave maker that we, you know, like, how do we do this? I'm trying to find it. No, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly firstly that the little drops definitely amount to the bigger, you know, wave ultimately and eventually, but I, I feel concerned that we don't have as much time to wait for these drops to add up because this has been going on for so long and it's so COVID really, really pulled the pants down on the whole thing because it became so so obvious that people who had, well, first of all, the disease, the virus itself, if you have these, these uh, pre-existing conditions, okay, who has a lot of these pre-existing conditions, right? So we've seen people horribly who have gotten really bad cases of it, died, didn't have the pre-existing, but at the same time, in the, in the majority, I think we, we saw what happened. We're still seeing what's happening. So we don't have the time to wait. So what I think are, you know, just from what I know, just from the business that I know, the business that we're all in, I think a lot of things get the attention that they need or that they lacked because people talk about it and because certain powers that be do what they can when they can. So let's take the food space, right? Something that has been very troubling to me for a long time is, as you guys mentioned at the top, um, there are no black faces in the food space that have a consistent, healthy point of view or agenda, right? So when I say, how come they're not glamorizing the healthy food to the black audience the way they do to to the white audience or to other audiences, it's the same. It's it's that same principle. So if you start putting people, everybody wants to see someone who looks like them, right? Representative on television, in print, etc. You start putting faces of color 
to bring a message of healthy eating forward to, for lack of a better word, glamorize it, but also to personalize it, right? To put it right in your face and to show you, look, I do this, you can do it too. Once you start doing that, to me, that's a small, big step because now you're making this idea of eating healthy seem doable, seem commonplace, seem, you know, sexy, exciting, to people of color. They will take initiative in the same way that clothing brands target us. You know, it took forever for the beauty business, right, to start targeting us. What happened when Rihanna put out Fenty and said, oh, look, I have 45 different shades of brown. <gasps> Everybody said, wait, 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 we have a lot of shades of brown too. And it was like, stop. You had shades of brown, but when you go to order it on the website, those colors were never available. So you didn't really have the shades of brown. But you said you did. Same thing with lingerie, okay? People start putting out colors of lingerie. Oh, we have all these colors. Really? I used to click on certain, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but I click on a certain lingerie brand's website. Oh, yeah, they have espresso. That's very general. But okay, maybe espresso's for me. I'm dark brown. Click on espresso. There's one triple XL available. Ugh. Well, I don't wear triple XL, but let me just put it in the cart anyway as a goof alter my own underwear. Sorry, not available. It was a scam, right? So it wasn't a lie. So my thing is, the same way that fashion targets us, why do they put black female artists, singers, they put them in campaigns for clothes, for shoes, because they know the black dollar exists. They know that we will buy it if we see someone who looks like us. But you're not ready to do that yet with the food, right? So that's why I'm saying it's not just about, I need my own cooking show. No, I love my own cooking show. But what I think is more important is we need to start funneling out faces of color that have a full focused point of view on healthy eating. Not, oh, I always make soul food, but today I'm going to show you how to make it. No, no, no. That's perfectly fine. But how about somebody who always makes healthy stuff, right? You see these ensemble cooking shows? There's role play, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, this person, this is their perspective. This person cooks it this way. The black person only cooks it the unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And even if they take something that you would consider, right? Take Caribbean food, uh, take Southern food. These are foods that you sort of think about black culture when you think about jerk chicken, but they won't put the black girl to make the healthy grilled jerk chicken. They'll still make the white host do that recipe. And it's like, why can't we get the black so that so to me it's like when you say what can be done so much needs to be done but we have to start where we can and to me it's just like the easiest way to start is with is with is with mainstream is with media is with television is with print like give me an editor-in-chief of a healthy magazine who's black maybe we start a new one i don't know but i just think that these messages have to be put everybody wants to see themselves represented we are not represented in the healthy food space, not consistently, not in mainstream. And until that starts, it's going to be hard to get anything else to go. Hi, I'm Jamie from Off the Gram. Launching a podcast is a lot of work. Luckily, Gotham Podcast Studio has everything you need to get started. Whether you just need an hour of recording time or a jumpstart with full-service production, Gotham Podcast Studio offers high-quality audio and video recording, 
reduced membership rates, podcast hosting services, and much more. All from their studio located in the heart of Manhattan. Visit GothamPodcastStudio.com for more information. Now, back to the show. We were talking about pushback before and you with brands and going back to them. Are you noticing now? Um, I know in one of our past episodes, we were speaking to this, that brands are now almost going the other way. And they're saying, you know, we want your image. We want you to represent our brand. Um, is it, are you seeing an overabundance now of opportunities and places where you might actually be able to do some of this in a, in the way that you're speaking? An overabundance? No. Well, <laughs> a little more. No. Okay. To be perfectly honest, I feel as though there has been, for me personally, mm-hmm. there has been a little bit more, or, or to be fair, there's been a lot more um, uh, outreach. You know, people are reaching out, they're calling, they're targeting me, they're asking me to do this and do that. But do I feel like I'm getting uh, overrun with with requests or, or, or things that I've reached out for. Am I getting yeses all over the place? No, no. I feel as though people are, are in a hurry to seem inclusive, but they are still, there is a cherry picking still going on. Of course, there's still a cherry picking and there's still, yes, let's get a black face to do this, not to do everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That that that's my 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 fair assessment of what I feel like you know where I am right now and what I've seen since everything's sort of become a little bit more heightened. Right. Yeah. So piggybacking on what you're saying, do you think? And this is a very sensitive issue, so I almost like muzzled myself on this, but I feel like it's important to talk about it. Um, do you feel like it's a problem? Because I know for me, like whenever I started noticing more and more and more people of color in wellness ads. They were always the like real body and the skinny white girl was always next to her. Do you think that's part of the problem too? Yeah. That is- <laughs> yeah. No, but like nobody talks about it. So I really wanted to get it out. Yeah. Heidi, that is, and here's the problem. It's hard to make this particular point without sounding like you're body shaming somebody else, right? I know. That's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, I hear you, but but I'm going to say it anyway. Because at the end of the day, if it's about inclusive, right? If it's about fully bringing everyone in, are you saying that only real bodies? And then, and then there's that term, too. Stop. Is my body fake? My body's real. I'll tell you right now. I eat healthy. I exercise every day. I take care of myself. My body's real. Somebody who wears maybe three, four sizes bigger, her body's also real. What is real? You can't, Are you saying plastic versus not real? Like, I hate the term real bodies because a lot of bodies are real, right? Genetics are real. So you can't start labeling this one real and that one not real. No. Also healthy, right? But healthy looks different for a lot of different people. It has nothing to do with weight. So if you're only going to put the real body black girl, but then the slimmer girls are always white, again, you're not, you're not making it seem 
aspirational because a lot of people want a certain look. Some people want a different look. Everybody sees aspiration differently. So you have to really spread it out, but it's not being spread out. It's being, it's being tokenized. I was going to say that's not a typecast, right? A little bit. It's like, we need to put a black person in the ad. So, and we need to promote real bodies also. So let's make sure. And it's like, we, Oh, that's not, that's not really helping. That's just filling a quota. Mm. It's a token move. That's not a true, true inclusive move. And then I always, so then my thing is, it's like, so why wouldn't you find an ultra fit black girl and have her be that look alongside the white girl who's fit or reverse it, whatever it is. Why is that difficult? Just like to go back to the broadcast space. Why are you okay with that little handful of it's, it's less than a handful, okay? The, the tiny amount of percentage of, of, of black females in food that are on all the time, you're fine with one who's a bigger girl because is that what black girls' bodies really look like? Why is that? So if, if I were there, for example, would the white audience not believe that the food was healthy because I made it? Like, these are the questions I'm trying to figure out. What is the, how, how is it that the, Black girl is included, but she's always the fuller figured one. Like, what does that mean? What do you guys think that means? And that is where we have to say, okay, what's systemic? Because uh, obviously somebody believes that this is what black women look like. Even though, isn't Naomi Campbell black woman? Right. <laughs> right. And I think like that's, this is the whole point, right? Like this what does Lisa Leslie look like the, yeah. the famous women's basketball player, tall, lean, like, so what is, and there's nothing wrong with either of those bodies, but why is there that cherry picking of it all? That is a huge, so to answer your question, Heidi, that is a huge, huge part of the problem, massive part of the problem. So that has to get that has to be fixed. We have to we have to adjust. Mindsets need to be adjusted. It's not racist to put a skinny black girl somewhere because we exist. Just like it's not racist or it's not shameful to have uh, a, a brown girl who's maybe not black, but maybe she's Indian or whatever it is. Like all shades, all shapes, and all shades exist. So. Why do we always default to one shape for one color and a different shape for a different color? That's a huge problem. Oh my God. I feel, it's just so like, I want to do something and it's like, it's so like what Heidi said, I just feel like it's bottling up and I want to, I want to like reach through the screen and, and shake the brands and shake everybody and help. Exactly. And, and it's just like, it's almost like you're paralyzed to say, what do we do? How do we do it? How do, what, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like why? It's well, so I think, I think that we're at this juncture right now. where like the first thing is, is understanding that there's a problem because I think so many of us just had blinders on and that is the point of systemic racism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause like this was the first conversation that we all had. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. No, not outwardly racist, but we've all been conditioned into this state of systemic racism where we don't even realize the messages that we've internalized and that we believe to be true. And Nicole, I think this is such a good conversation because it's exactly what needs to be had. We can't change it by tomorrow. So like, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause it is frustrating, but the, the first thing to do to change this stuff is to get it out in the open to realize that it exists. Mm-hmm. And then next, 
Even if we just figure out one next thing to make it better, then that's one thing in the right direction. And none of this is going to change overnight. But I love that you're doing this. And I think, honestly, I never thought about it before. There is not one portrayal on television of a healthy chef on TV, a, a hot, awesome black woman that cooks healthy food, that has a great cooking show that you love watching. That's doesn't exist. You do need to do your own show. You do it, Nicole. <laughs> do need to do my own show. But Damn. I feel weary about just even like saying that in jest. I, I agree. I would love to do my own show, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, where's my show? No, no, no. I know. No. I get it. Own show, I could name three other people who could also do this, but and sadly, though, the other three people may or may not even be able to have the platform, or they don't have you guys bringing them on. So it's it's not it's not easy for us to have. I keep hearing this this phrase about amplifying black voices. Well, our voices are typically muzzled, so this whole idea of amplification is what needs to happen to kind of get that going. But yeah, as I was saying before, with the glamorizing, it sounds so superficial, but we glamorize everything. We glamorize everything. We have glamorized medicine. We have glamorized food. We have glamorized home furnishings. Like we we can glamorize staples. Like office supplies are glamorous now. So it's like people are working with companies about fancy scotch tape. Like everything's glamorized. So if you're not going to allow us to have a glamorous presentation, right, of how healthy food can be cooked by a black person, everyone can love it and enjoy it. It's not something that, uh, you know, we can only do this one thing. Like that tunnel vision perspective has to change. It's well, totally. And I, so, so, and it's not just, okay. I was a publicist for all those years, right? I would pitch, uh, I had a lot of healthy food brands that were my clients too. I would pitch healthy cooking segments around the holidays. Like here's how you can, and I still do it. I pitch my, myself being a lifestyle expert. Here's how you can keep it healthy around Thanksgiving. Here's how you can go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family and not break the calorie bank. Yada, yada, yada. I'm told by every producer, Nobody wants to talk about healthy food over the holidays. They want to hear about pie. They want to hear about grandma's pie. And they want to hear, so save your pitch for January when everyone's trying to get healthy. So it really, the problem transcends or the problem exists like outside of the race conversation too. So it's a very valid, there's nothing wrong with saying, why don't we glamorize the healthier option? In many senses of the word, we shouldn't be afraid to also tell people how they could do better you know, in just all different paths. Like, don't just think that because we've always done it this one way, that people only want it that way, right? I think that's what you're ultimately saying. It is what I'm saying. I'm also saying, though, there's something shady with that part about, oh, people don't want to eat healthy at the holidays. Well, you know what? This is this is a, this is a sort of throw people under the bus moment. But I feel like with a lot of, you know, entities and broadcast, it's a business, right? So... They come back with that response, but then at the same time, you will see from time to time a paid thing where it's, you know, this healthy brand paid. So now we are going to do a segment on lightening up the holidays sponsored by Metamucil. I'm just going to use that as an example. And it's like, oh, so you you can do it. So it, there's so much going on behind the scenes and there is so much trained, you know, there's like these prepared statements. There's like an automatic response. No holiday, no, no fatty, sugary. People want to escape. You know, I have heard producers say, well, 
the thing about it is, you know, before healthy food became so much trendier, and this is like you're saying, Jamie, outside of the race thing, it was kind of like, well, listen, people want to escape, right? Food is escapism. I'm like, no, it's not. No, food is not escapism, first of all. Food is life, right? So let's not make it about why it needs to always be overly indulgent and bad and that's all people want to see. That's not true. But if you're saying that it needs to be so exciting to them, then that's fine. Let's do that. Healthy food can be exciting. It can be delicious. It can be escapism. It can be whatever you want it to be. But that whole train mentality, like, oh, no, that's nobody's going to want that. No, it's like, He's saying so people only want to eat healthy in the summer months. You can't have a healthy summer body if you start eating healthy food in the summer. That doesn't make sense. You have to start from beforehand, wouldn't you? Well, Nicole, this is like this topic is really, really important. And I'm so glad you came to talk to us about it today because, you know, the four of us and then and our listeners, like we are the people having these conversations and that really care about wellness and we could all be doing better. So thank you so much for bringing this point of view today because like really... It was when, when we had our first chat about it, I was like, I don't know that I ever thought about it this way. And that's part of the problem. So thank you for being here with us. I love this chat and I want to wrap us up today because we always have two little, uh, a lightning round. And then one last thing that we want to leave our viewer or our listeners with. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to get asking my lightning round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, morning or evening workout? Evening. Yeah, you're Christine's girl. All right, I'm a morning girl. Uh, What is your favorite workout? My favorite workout. My favorite workout is Body by Simone. Dance cardio. Uh, If I can just like hop around for 40, 45 minutes, I feel the best. But I also love, I love any kind of fast flowing vinyasa yoga. Because sometimes the evening (laughs) workouts are not conducive to the hopping around stuff in the apartment life. So then I have to go to, I can't be jumping around over my neighbor's heads at 1130 at night. So then I would have to do a yoga. But yeah, Heidi, I see you raise your hand. You love the the fast-paced yoga too. Like any vinyasa that's like, I like yoga, but firm hold sometimes I feel like oh, come on I just want to like keep moving so a fast paced vinyasa or body by Simone dance you commercial. have got to I'm sorry this is Christine and I'm going to say it like I always <laughs> try to say, I always say it I am a super fan because I'm a runner and I want same thing cardio upbeat da, 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 da. but I love Heidi's cross flow X yoga it is a mix right Heidi I'll let you yeah. I'll let you describe it but tell me, tell me. I am like new number one fan I love you, Christine. Thank you. Um, so obviously this is Heidi talking. Uh, so yeah, I launched an app in February because, uh, the class I created originally called Cross Lux is Power Yoga with Hit and Kundalini Kriyas. Mm-hmm. Kundalini is just fast reps. It's like the oldest form of yoga, but you would think it was hit if you didn't know what it is kind of thing. Um, but no impact on that. And it's funny because in creating all the content for my app since COVID quarantining started, I've had so many requests for like less jumping <laughs> cross flow acts and more like I do cross flow V for vinyasa, but it's all like power yoga. It's all strength. It's all core. It's all lots of sweating. <laughs> I'm in. That's my send you the app. One, by the way. <laughs> yes. You need her app. <laughs> Heidi's yoga burpees will F you up. Let me tell you right now. It is in, a fact. I'm in. Okay. All right. All right last one. Last question. Coffee, tea, or matcha? Coffee. 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 All right. Coffee. 
<laughs> all coffee these ever since we started quarantine like before people were like oh i like my evening tea i have my matcha ever since quarantine started we're like stay at home it's been like coffee 100 percent. coffee almond milk creamer all day long not too many because i try to preserve my teeth i'm just like i can't have those coffee teeth but i am definitely coffee 100 percent. i love it all right so our very last thing is called karma call <laughs> <laughs> all right so karma is a sanskrit word for action so we mm. ask all of our incredible inspiring guests at the end of the show what is one actionable item that you would like our listeners to try so it can be a very small thing that they could do every day for a week say that would yield a giant result so a small action huge result could be drink water every morning hmm. i would say oof i would like for everyone to try to look into a healthy black food brand i love it because Healthy black food exists. Can we do a lightning round and just each person say their favorite if you have one? A healthy black food brand? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, I have one. What's yours? Mine is, it's called Fonio. This brand is called Yolele Fonio. Oh, and I saw your Instagram. I want to yeah. learn more about that. So Fonio is a super grain, an ancient grain, a super, an ancient super grain that grows in parts of Western Africa, and it is a fair trade product similar to quinoa in its texture. It's a smaller grain than than quinoa, but similar in that it takes on flavors the same way. You can use it as a topping, as an ingredient, or as the sole grain itself. Cooks in five minutes. Uh, I like to prepare it with a little stock first as opposed to water so that it takes in that flavor. Uh, It is so delicious, and it's kid-friendly if you have children. It's a delicious, delicious product. Super healthy, high in protein, high in fiber. I highly recommend it. A black only product. That's a great place for people to start, right? So, like, if you just have a place to start, then you can, like, sort of, like, Google and it'll bring other things up and it'll help you have a path. Um, my favorite, I don't know if this counts, but like, I love Tassili's in Atlanta. It's a raw vegan restaurant owned by an amazing black woman named Tassili. And she actually has a cookbook that you can order from her website too. And it's all raw vegan, really healthy stuff. So amazing. Checking that out. I'm, I'm trying to remember how you say, is it quiet, quiet, the, um, amazing, um, it's a protein drink. Um, and I absolutely love this drink and I think I'm, I think I'm butchering the name. So I'm like looking it up, but the founder is a girl named Maya French. Um, yeah, Koya, K-O-I-A. You guys, I'm sure have seen it, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I met with Maya French at, um, at, uh, Expo East, the big healthy food trade Mm -hmm. show that occurs every year. And she is one of the most inspiring women and I am absolutely obsessed with her, but, um, I think she was on like, the Forbes 30 under 30 list. She's a very, very incredible founder and CEO and the brand has a great vision. So I would say that that is mine. Mine is Goldie. They do um, food and beauty products and they have that great turmeric. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, this so is the, but they this have a mix of like beauty brands and food brands. And I, I just think that it's a great, it's a great thing to incorporate, especially into the wellness, as, you know, world. 
Well, I love it. And these are exactly the conversations we need to have because, you know, I don't know that I always considered like, who's the founder and, you know, is there like, do they have at least a founder or, uh, you know, a board where there are people of color that are included in making these important decisions and marketing decisions. So I'm so glad, Heidi, that you just opened up this, this last round because, because this is kind of the whole point, right? To like investigate a little further and make mm-hmm. sure that you're, you know, you're supporting and that you're making sure that these brands have have a well-rounded point of view. So amazing, changing the world one lightning round at a time. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. And thank you to our listeners. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Apple, on iHeart, on Spotify, any place that your podcasts are consumed. And don't forget to subscribe, sorry, to follow us. I I do know how to use Instagram, I promise. Uh, On the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.